Every hornet in heaven likes Christmas a lot, but in 1964 there was one who did not. The poor man feared Christmas, the whole Christmas season, and losing to them up the road was the reason. We play twice in three days, he cried out, feeling sick. We'll lose first at the kennel and then at the vic. Then he yelled, as his fingers were nervously drumming, I must find a way to stop Christmas from coming. Hornet Heaven, 2023 Christmas Special. How the Grover Stole Christmas. Written by Ollie Wicken, read by Colin Mace. Earth Season, 1964-65. On Christmas Day, 1964, Johnny Allgood found Henry Grover in a quiet corner of the Supporters Club bar. Watford's first ever manager said to the father of the club, Ah, is everything okay, Henry? It doesn't look like you're having a very merry Christmas. For Christmas that year, Henry was wearing a beetle-style collarless suit and had rearranged his hair into a mop-top, but his face didn't have the perky demeanour that the Fab Four usually managed to project. No, Johnny... I'm bothered, old sausage. Ken Furphy has had a frightful start as our new manager. We've only won one of our last twelve games, and we're about to play them up the road twice in the next three days. I fear a holiday period humiliation at the hands of the Hatters. Ah, look on the bright side, Henry. If we win both games, this Christmas will be a cracker. Ha! <laughs> Yes, Christmas crackers. <laughs> very good, old thing, very good. Well, if I can smile at that, I suppose I'm not as badly off as my grandfather, old Albert. Yes, I'm actually rather worried about him. I was talking to him the other day, and Grampy was so petrified of losing these festive fixtures against the filth that he said he wished he could stop Christmas happening, and I haven't seen him since. Ah, what's bothering him so much? I think he hasn't got over what happened at the kennel on the final day of last season, when defeat to our rivals denied us promotion to Division Two. So cruel, Johnny, old thing. Ah, yes, that hurt. And, of course, our record in local derbies is particularly bad at Christmas. In fact, Grampy reminded me that when you were manager, Johnny... We had four Christmas fixtures against them up the road and lost three of them. Regrettably, you didn't make us invincible on those occasions, old fruit. Ah, well, thanks for the memories, Henry. But listen, you should try to find Albert and take his mind off things. He'd enjoy visiting the programme hut. It's looking very festive today. Have you seen it? It's been transformed into a Santa's grotto. Goodness. By whom? Well, by Santa. Wait, what? Father Christmas was a Watford fan, and he's died and come to haunted heaven? This is remarkable. I never saw him at games. Presumably he was always too busy in his workshop at the North Pole to get along to the Vic. This is superb.
superb. Who knew that little old Watford had such a big celebrity fan? No, Henry. Sorry to disappoint you, but according to young Derek in the hut, this Santa is just a man who says he was working as Father Christmas in Clements in the town centre and died while he was in his costume. Oh, oh, ah, oh, poor fellow. Unfortunate attire for the rest of eternity. Aye, but in the spirit of Christmas he's turned the hut into a grotto and he's wrapped up programmes from Watford's greatest games and is handing them out as presents to people. Nice idea, don't you think? Excellent. Do you know, I rather fancy going and sitting on Santa's knee. Uh, I'm not sure he's offering that, Henry, but you'd get to unwrap a present and then go to a wonderful Watford victory. It's great fun. Give it a go. I will indeed, Johnny old Puffin. As for Grampy, I don't think I can help him, because the Christmas derbies will go ahead regardless of how terrified he is that we'll lose. So in the meantime, I'll go and grab myself some festive fun. Grover to the grotto. Grampy needed a ploy so the games wouldn't come. Christmas week will be spoiled if we lose to the scum. It was clearly a problem he couldn't ignore. So he puzzled for days till his puzzler was sore. And then ding, just in time. And as Christmas drew near, while he browsed through old programmes, he had an idea. I know just what to do, Albert laughed in his throat. And he put on a Santa Claus beard, hat and coat. Henry entered the programme hut. It wasn't just festive, it was rocking. There were twinkling yellow fairy lights and a Christmas tree hung with bright yellow baubles. But it wasn't the traditional paraphernalia that most impressed Henry. The music so, so now daddy-o. In the far corner, Santa Claus was sitting in a huge chair, surrounded by golden sacks bulging with presents. His white beard was so big that it covered most of his face, which meant that, with his hat pulled low, only his eyes and nose were visible. No one in Hornet Heaven had the slightest chance of seeing who was underneath the disguise. Ooh, and now the music's jazzy. Nice. Henry didn't recognise who was behind the Santa beard, but he did recognise the other person in the hut. Someone small was wearing a green hat, green tunic and red and white leggings. It was Derek Garston, the boy who ran the programme hut for the rest of the year. He was dressed as an elf. Derek, young fellow, this is all quite fabulous, or fab, as I think we're saying these days. It's not fab, Mr Grover, sir. It's embarrassing, sir. Santa's taken over my hut and made me wear tights, sir. Dear, oh dear, where's your Christmas spirit, young urchin? Just go along with it. This man knows what he's doing. I hear he used to be Santa in Clements. I can't wait any longer to meet him. Henry went over to Santa. He said, Greetings, Father Christmas, you jolly old thing. I hope you're enjoying the eternal sunshine of Hornet Heaven. Much better weather than at the North Pole, I'll wager. Santa clutched his belly and laughed heartily. Ho, 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 then Henry said. 
Actually, old chap, would you mind awfully if I... It's just... It's just a thing that I... Henry sat on Santa's knee. It was something he'd always wanted to do, but had never done down on earth. I hope you don't think this is naughty, Santa. I've always imagined it would be nice. Hmm. And it is. Lovely. Although, actually, this is quite strange. Even though I've never done this before, it feels familiar somehow. I suppose I'm just remembering sitting on my father's or grandfather's knee. Above his huge white father Christmas beard, Albert's eyes widened in alarm. Was he about to be found out? To cover, he uttered another hearty laugh. Ho, ho, ho! Albert wanted to get this over with quickly. He reached down into one of the golden sacks and pulled out a small thin present, beautifully wrapped and tied with yellow and black ribbon. He handed it to Henry. Golly, thank you! I hope you didn't wrap up any of our old defeats to them up the road. <laughs> we'll probably be getting two new ones in the next few days. When he said this, Henry felt Santa's leg twitch slightly, but the twitch was soon followed by another booming laugh. No, no, no! Henry unwrapped his present and was delighted to find it was a programme to one of his favourite games. By Jupiter! How wonderful! Or, um... As I think the current phrase goes, that's gear. Henry got off Santa's knee, and on his way out of the grotto spoke again to Derek, who was fiddling with his itchy woollen tights. Merry Christmas then, Mr Grover, sir. Deary me, chin up, Derek. Thanks to this grotto, Christmas is proving to be quite marvellous. I'm glad my grandfather Albert didn't find a way to stop it coming. Didn't what, sir? I know. It sounds barking, doesn't it? But it's what Grampy said he wanted to do. He's terrified of losing twice to them up the road. I think what he actually meant was to stop the football somehow. Well, let's hope he doesn't succeed, sir. Personally, I'm very much looking forward to when the programmes for the games come in. It's the only thing that's keeping my spirits up, sir. Well, I have to wear this embarrassing costume, sir. Are you saying going to the games will be good for your elf? <laughs> good for your elf? Is that meant to be a joke, sir? <laughs> yes, yes. Elf, 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 elf. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. See you later, my boy. <sighs> As Henry left the hut, Albert joined in with another Father Christmas laugh in relief that his grandson hadn't recognised him. Ho! 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 Albert's plan was going well. Nobody knew what he was up to. Albert's Santa disguise was a somewhat contrived way of being in place when match programmes arrived. He would be in the hut when the Luton one came. He'd stop Christmas by stealing the big Christmas game. If a game's not in heaven, it doesn't exist. We'll be blissfully ignorant here, that's the gist. So he worked in the grotto and on Boxing Day, when the programmes arrived, Albert stole them away. On Boxing Day evening, Henry went back to the hut expecting to pick up a programme from the afternoon's game at Kenilworth Road so he could go through the ancient turnstile to watch. But he found an elf 
who was even more upset than last time. The programme hasn't come in, Mr Grover, sir. Really? Well, in modern parlance, I'm not digging that. Presumably the weather down on Earth must have caused the postponement, sir. It's not fair, sir. How very disappointing. It's not a word with which I feel comfortable, but I think some people would call it a bummer. I feel like I've had Christmas stolen from me, sir. Never mind, dear boy. There are plenty of wonderful Watford winds in Santa's sack over there. They'll keep us happy for a couple of days, and then, weather permitting, we can smash the Bedfordshire oiks at Vicarage Road on the 28th. I'm sure the joy of a hatter-splattering Christmas has merely been delayed, young fellow, not stolen. Things will, I'm certain, be decidedly groovy. Henry smiled when he heard Santa on the other side of the hut, guffawing in apparent approval of his optimism. Ho, 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 daddy-o! But in truth, Albert, behind the beard, was laughing at how easily he was getting away with his trickery. For another two days, Albert stuck to his plans, and the Boxing Day programme stayed hidden from fans. Such a shame, he'd announced at the programme's no-show and then quietly laughed to himself, ho, ho, ho. Watford had played the Hatters, but nobody knew. So he did the same thing for the second game too. When the programmes came in for the game at the Vic, Albert stole them away. No delay. Quick, quick, quick. Oh, the grotto's gone. What a shame. On December the 29th, after Christmas in Hornet Heaven had ended in widespread disappointment with no new football to watch, Henry entered the programme hut and found it back to normal. Derek Garson wasn't in an elf costume anymore. He was tidying programmes away. Henry asked, What happened to the Santa fellow, Derek? I don't know, Mr Grover, sir. I haven't seen him since. No one has. Ah, Henry, there you are. How good to see my grandson by Jingo. Henry turned. Albert Grover was in his usual Victorian suit, the one he died in in 1882, and his snow-white whiskers were bristling with pleasure on his contented face. Ah, hello, Grampy. Where have you been? I was worried about you. I was just keeping my head down over the holiday period, young fellow, me lad. As I told you, I wasn't looking forward to the two games against uh, them up the road, so I kept myself to myself. <clears throat> How did we get on in the end? Oh, the programmes didn't come in, Grampy. Perfect, by Jingo. So everyone was spared a miserable Christmas. Derek piped up. No, we weren't, Mr Albert Grover, sir. Not getting to go to the two local derbies we were so excited about made Christmas very miserable for everyone, sir. And that's not to mention the embarrassing tights I had to wear, sir. Derek's right, Grampy. A lot of people in Hornet Heaven are feeling rather flat about it all. Quite down, really. And yes, his tights were embarrassing. What? People are feeling down by crikey? Oh, that wasn't the plan. Plan? No, uh. <coughs> <clears throat> Not plan, no. Did I say plan? What's the word I meant? I've no idea, Grampy. Anyway, 
That doesn't sound good, not good at all. What's our next fixture? Away to Bristol City next weekend, Mr Albert Grover, sir. And they're near the top of the table, sir. That game's unlikely to cheer people up, sir. Hmm. In that case, maybe I'd better... Maybe what, Grampy? Hmm. Very strange. I wonder what got into him all of a sudden. Grandpa Albert was bothered. He just hadn't thought that his actions might make people bored or distraught. He'd been grumpy when he had decided to pinch all the programmes. He'd acted like some kind of Grinch. So he thought he should fix things, undo what he'd done. Could he now make amends if the Hornets had won? I must find out, he told himself, keen to repent. He grabbed two of the programmes he'd stolen and went. First, Albert went through the ancient turnstile to the Boxing Day game in the Badlands of Bedfordshire at <clears throat> Kenilworth Road. Right, play up, you mighty hornets. There were 11,000 people inside the ground, looking out onto a pitch that was cold, hard and rough. Albert expected the football to be as ugly as the stadium. The game kicked off, and due to his long experience of watching Watford play at this godforsaken ground, Albert feared the worst. But soon, in only the third minute, Watford's outside left, George Harris, scored from close range, gliding in a pass from the Scottish inside forward, Jimmy McInerney. By crikey! What a start! And then, just before the quarter hour, Harris scored again, from a cross by Brian Owen, to make it 2-0. Ha! We're belly well slaughtering them! Albert was starting to think he definitely shouldn't have stolen the programmes for this game. It was shaping up to be a famous victory. But it wasn't long before he'd reversed his thinking. Luton came back into the game. They pulled a goal back. Then, four minutes before half-time, they equalised. 2-2. Two -two. Pah! I knew it. I was right all along. I've saved Watford fans a hundred weight of heartache. But then, three minutes later, just before the half-time break, Luton's winner, David Pleat, gave away a free kick. The ball was crossed into their six-yard box and George Harris tapped home for a first-half hat-trick. 3-2 to Watford. Yes! By Jingo! Yes! Every Watford fan needs to see this. The half-time whistle blew and there had been so many ups and downs that Albert really didn't know what to think. On the resumption, though, ten minutes into the second half, thoughts of triumph moved into the ascendancy when Jimmy McInerney scored from a cross by Ron Saunders to make it 4-2. Excellent! Excellent! That surely seals the win. And although Luton hit the bar a couple of times towards the end, the Watford defence held firm to the final whistle. The local bragging rights were with the mighty Hornets. 4-2! We beat the scum! 4-2! Albert left Kenilworth Road and went straight to the second of the two festive fixtures, 
the one that had taken place on Monday the 28th of December, Vicarage Road was icy and misty. Again, the pitch was hard and the football was terrible. Neither team managed a worthwhile shot on goal until just before the half hour, Luton's goalkeeper hit a goal kick straight to a Watford player. The ball ended up with Duncan Wellborn, playing at half-back, who took a pot shot from 30 yards. The goalkeeper missed it, and Watford were 1-0 up. Ah! The hapless Hatters can't help themselves. We're beating them again. Later, Ron Saunders made it 2-0 and put the game out of reach. When the final whistle blew, Albert was ecstatic. By crikey! We've only gone and done the double over them. The Christmas double for the first time ever. Grandpa Albert had seen something wholly unique. He'd seen Watford beat Luton twice in Christmas week. I must put the programmes back, he said to himself. They deserve to take full pride of place on the shelf. Then he stopped and he thought, but I need to take care, because I mustn't be seen when I'm putting them there. Folk would know it was me who had taken them, and it would mean they'd start calling old Albert a bandit. Albert dragged two large golden sacks into the programme hut. Oh, hello, Mr Albert Grover, sir. What on earth have you got there, sir? Uh, uh, <clears throat> I just found them beside one of the lock-up garages down Occupation Road. What's inside, sir? Programmes from the two games that we all thought hadn't happened. What, sir? You found the programmes to the Christmas local derby, sir? Albert took the opportunity to divert suspicion onto someone else. <clears throat> you make it sound like I wasn't meant to, young man. What? I think you owe everyone in Hornet Heaven an explanation, Derek. Derek looked startled. His eyes flicked to the door and he squeaked. Help! Mr Grover, sir! Mr Henry Grover, sir! Henry had just entered the hut with Johnny Allgood. Come on, boy, explain, Albert continued. You would have been here when the Luton programmes originally came in. How did they end up in sacks down the road? It, it, it was nothing to do with me, sir. Those are the sacks Santa was using. It, it must have been him. Henry said, Goodness, Grampy, leave the poor boy alone. It's clear what must have happened. The Santa who set up a grotto here must have been a rogue who hot-footed it with the programmes for some reason. Albert spotted another opportunity to deflect suspicion. <clears throat> by crikey! I'll bet we were infiltrated by a hatter. Johnny rubbed his chin and said, Interesting. I've often wondered if there might one day be an overlap of Hornet Heaven and Hatter Heaven somehow. Yes! <clears throat> <clears throat> that would explain it perfectly. Albert clapped his hands together and said, Well done, Henry and Johnny. You've solved the mystery by jingo. All's well that ends well. Now, shall the four of us go and see how the Christmas derbies turned out? 
Imagine if it turns out that we have done the Christmas double over our nasty neighbours. We'll be laughing into the new year. Ha, ha, ha. Albert turned to Henry and Derek, expecting them to laugh along. But they were frowning. What? I haven't said anything wrong, have I? I was only having a laugh. Derek turned to Henry and said, Excuse me, Mr Henry Grover, sir, but are you thinking what I'm thinking, sir, about your grandfather's laugh, sir? Absolutely, my dear boy. Change the vowel sound, and it's a smoking gun. I don't know why I didn't recognise it before. Grampy, you've got quite a bit of explaining to do. Albert explained himself to Henry, Johnny and Derek, who, in the spirit of Christmas, forgave him. Henry, in particular, didn't seem to mind too much at all. Good did come of it, gentlemen. I got to sit on Santa's knee. But it was my knee, Henry. Oh, so it was. Uh, uh. After that, for the rest of the day... The ancient turnstile was extremely busy, as everyone in Hornet Heaven went to the two Christmas derbies they'd missed. By the evening, everyone was ecstatic. The supporters' club bar was packed with excited fans, belatedly celebrating what had turned out to have been an extremely merry Christmas after all. They'd seen something they'd never seen before. Watford had done the Christmas double over Luton. Old Albert was there with Henry and Johnny. He was feeling bad about having prevented Watford fans experiencing this joy sooner. And now he tried to apologise. Gentlemen, I must say again, I really do regret what I did. By cracky. Oh, don't spoil the mood, Grampy. You don't get many Christmases like this to the pound. We've forgiven you already, haven't we, Johnny? Aye, and tonight's definitely not the night for carrying around the burden of guilt, Albert. You want to be wearing a party hat, not a crown of thorns. Absolutely. Come on, Grampy, let's turn a shoe to these swinging 60s beats. I'm digging them. Albert smiled as he watched his 83-year-old grandson attempting to do the twist in his Beatles suit. Henry and Johnny were right, he thought to himself. Tonight was a night for celebration, not remorse. Albert grinned and finally started to get into the spirit of the evening. And so that's how the Grover stole Christmas one year. Albert learned from what happened, the moral was clear. If you don't go to games, you'll miss out on great things. All the pleasure that watching the Golden Boys brings. He'd been wrong to assume Christmas wouldn't be merry, because beating the filth meant it was very. And he did wear a party hat, no crown of thorns. He danced round Hornet Heaven, shouting, Come on, you horns! The end. 
How the Grover Stole Christmas was written and produced by Ollie Wicken. It was read by Colin Mace. For more information on the Hornet Heaven stories, please visit hornetheaven.com. Thank you for listening. Oh, and a very Merry Christmas to you all.